0: Well, hello, boys and girls, sports fans in assorted waifs and strays. It's Dan here from Diginomica, and we're in the run up to SAP Success Connect. So, I have Brandon Toombs on the line. If you haven't heard of Brandon before, he's an SAP mentor alumni like myself and uh, has been working with Success Factors for some considerable time. So, Brandon, hello, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? It's
1: good to be here today. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Yeah, okay. Excited where, to be- where are you? Where yeah. are you? Just so that we all know, where are you? I'm in Dallas, hot and steamy Dallas. <laughs> uh, okay. Fall will not get here soon enough.
0: Okay. Well, I'm in damp and miserable Yorkshire, so we can <laughs> commiserate with one another, but from two ends of the weather spectrum, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Brandon, Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what it is that you do and and why you care a great deal about the whole Success Connect thing.
1: Yeah, so uh, I am pretty much an SAP lifer. Uh, I've been at this uh, uh, about uh, a little over 20 years now, and I have been in the trenches in SAP HR, um, then transitioning over into SuccessFactors once it came on board, um, and really focused in on Employee Central for uh, most of that time. So, um, you know, I just... Uh, got pretty deep into uh, Employee Central and an SAP. Um, I want to say at the outset that you know I uh, I really I really like um, the SAP offerings and the SuccessFactors offerings, and I think they've got a lot of potential. Um, so it's uh, the things that I say and uh, the, the comments I make are really all from the vantage point of how can we make. Uh, the solutions better because I've I've seen what SAP's done over the years. You know, if, if going back uh, a few years to thinking about how uh, SAP, back when I started on on the HR side, uh, it was clearly inferior to what uh, the competitors had out there. So PeopleSoft was you know light years ahead of it. But uh, over time, uh, SAP got got. Um, with the engineering available at SAP and the investments that they made, uh, it got to the point uh, there towards the end where, um, in, you know, in some respects, it was right on par or or exceeded what uh, what the competitors did. And I can see the same thing happening in the success factor side, but it's just got to it, it. It definitely needs uh, some attention in certain areas uh, in order to get there. So that okay. I mean, that's a little bit of of my background. Just, and again, I just want to say at the outset. Uh, you know, I really do uh, feel very positively about the, the, the systems. And, and then of course, all the great folks I know at SAP, there's, you know, there's a lot of people trying to do the right things. It's just sometimes, uh, the organization itself can get in the way.
0: Yeah. Okay. And looking at your LinkedIn profile, you, you know, there's some pretty big, uh, there's some pretty big logos there. Fossil, I can see Starbucks. I can see Southwest. I can see, mm-hmm uh, uh, Millican, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, you've worked with some pretty Comcast, wow. Um, for whatever you might think about Comcast, let's not go
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> good good yeah. folks there too.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm sure there are. But, yeah. But essentially, essentially, you, you've got plenty of proof points uh, about mm-hmm. this. So, you know, we can, we can trust what you say to be um, fair and reasonable. So, what do you think? they should be doing... Now let's not go there. What do you think they will be doing at Success Connect this year? What are they going to be talking about?
1: Okay, um, well, I think it's no secret that what's going to be front and center at Success Connect this year is going to be Qualtrics. Um, You don't spend that type of money the way that SAP did without... Uh, wanting to, you know, show the marketplace and and customers, uh, both prospective and current ones, uh, what the value is that they're going to be getting from um, Qualtrics. So, you know, experience management, I, I, you know, I think that's going to be a, a really big part of everything that comes out uh, in this show. So, um, you know, that's the main thing I, you know, I think it's going to be undoubtedly what we're going to see. Um, I, am not an expert on Qualtrics by any stretch of the imagination. I, I but you know, from the things I've read, and, you know, quite frankly, some, uh, some great articles in Diginomica, uh, have made it, uh, you know, pretty clear, uh, you know, the business value in it. And, and so I, I look personally to be, to be able to learn more, uh, from the, the conference so i'm guessing you're that's probably uh where you're thinking they're going to be uh, heading front and center as well right well yes and no i
0: mean uh, i i've maintained for a number of years that um when it comes to this business of so-called experience management as part of the customer journey that has equal application from hr perspective because to me um and I hate this expression, human capital management. I mean, it sounds like, <laughs> you know, why don't why we call it wild stock? <laughs> you know, uh, you, you get um, yes. But, but, that's, but, but to my mind, that's the flip side of, uh, of CRM, right? You know, employees are as much customers as customers are customers, if you follow what I mean. Right. Or at least they should be. Uh, maybe they should be, maybe it should be called. Cap- cattle capital management, because they do treat employees like cattle a lot of the time, don't they? Don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm not saying SAP does this, but a lot of companies do. But the point about it is, is that, you know, we're, we're being told, aren't we, that with the next generation of employees coming along, Yes, a paycheck is really important, but they also want to do something different. They want to they want to have a uh, a series of careers. They want to be able to develop themselves as individuals. They they do want work life balance and all the rest of it, and they mm-hmm. want to be heard. And the kind of tooling that they picked up with Paltrix, at least in my mind, uh, goes some way towards uh, being able to achieve that. The question is, will leaders in that category that hcm category really understand what that's about given that traditionally they tend to be administrators as opposed to strategic leaders and thinkers or maybe i'm maybe i'm being not very nice to
1: hr <laughs> what do you think no i think that's uh, i think that's a fair point um as far as uh, you know sometimes uh hr while it can get a uh uh, bad rap. Uh, it, sometimes it's actually true that you know there, there, you know, um, people leaders can be really focused in on you know once they're in that boardroom making sure that they're not getting their head chopped off when they're there. And that is uh, a lot of times then they become real risk averse and risk management. And that, and that basically means that you're going to be focusing in on making sure you're in compliance and things like that. And so, you know, that can often be uh, the main things that, that HR leaders uh, can, can be involved in. So uh, there's no question that things like, uh, you know, some of the leading analytics that are coming in Qualtrics and, you know, getting, yeah. getting real time feedback from, uh, from employees, uh, has some definite business value. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, you're trying to lead uh, a lot of times human capital practitioners to get there. Um, especially those, some of those higher level people. Um, and you know, just whether or not they're ready to hear that message or not.
0: Okay. In the first part of the story that you've written about um, what may or may not be coming up yeah on your wish list, come on, come clean about the intentions around payroll just Just explain what you mean by that
1: yeah, so um, you know and a lot of this is going to be in the in the <clears throat> the blog that I put out on LinkedIn, but uh, I still think it it bears repeating because this is one of the most important uh, discussions around. Uh, success factors in a while. And that is, you know, what is the intention around uh, the payroll? Uh, So just for the uninitiated, uh, the way that um, uh, if you're, if you purchase Employee Central today, um, Employee Central in and of itself does not have a payroll engine. So uh, if you are a Uh, SAP on-premise customer with SAP payroll, you have really just one of two options. Uh, Number one is, uh, as in today's world, you can uh, keep your uh, payroll on-premise and then basically use it for payroll processing, but then just basically have the rest of your the core HR and all of the master data in the system of record would be on the cloud and would be on employee central. Um, or uh, the other option is pretty much the exact same, except instead of having your own payroll uh, your own, uh, SAP HR environment, you can instead go to employee central payroll, which, um, and this is one of the things that I'm still, I'm really surprised that, that this miss it, information or this confusion uh, arises today because I still talk to customers who who don't understand that all that employee central payroll is is an SAP payroll engine that is hosted in the cloud by SAP. So the only difference between uh, employee central payroll and the payroll that we all know and love is uh, in a practical matter uh, two things. Number one, it's a little bit easier to do the connections between the cloud, um the success factors, Employee Central, and the Employee Central payroll, just because they've already got a lot of the connections all set up for you. Uh, so that piece is a little bit easier. And then number two, uh, if you need notes applied or anything like that on Employee Central payroll, uh, you just put in a ticket and those things get a, get added on, uh, you know, pretty soon instead of you having to uh, go bug your basis team about those things. So those are really the only two differences, uh, between, uh, you know, regular payroll and SAP payroll. So, uh, hopefully that wasn't too long of an explanation, but now moving forward, um, just to make things a little bit messier is, okay, so we're, this is the boat we're in today. Um, and uh, as you have reported in Diginomica, uh, you know, at least a couple of times, and there has been other things that have been out there uh, publicly that that basically give some indication that SuccessFactors is looking at going to a cloud payroll and a true cloud payroll. So what I mean by that is instead of it being just a hosted uh, uh, SAP payroll environment that they're calling employee central payroll, it truly would be a something that's, that's literally part of employee central. So there would be no integration whatsoever. It would be, you're logging in uh, to employee central uh, success factors and there's payroll right there with it. And, And the benefits of that are you have one common shared data model. It's all right there. There's no connections, nothing. Um, um, and they have talked about that, that. Yes, that is something that we are looking at and, and really thinking about doing. Um, but um, and, and and, you know, this will be interesting. I'll, I'll be curious to your thoughts on the on this. It It really seemed like that Q4 of last year. Um, this was something that they were uh, more or less uh, telegraphing that this was something that was coming. Um, You know, there was the article that came out in in your publication Um, and in in, in addition to that, there also was, uh, I thought very interesting that, that one of the SAP payroll managers uh, put out a blog on the, uh, on the SAP site that basically talked about what a new generation of payroll might look like. Um, and so that came out, you know, late last year. Well, along a about the same time that that all of that uh, information was kind of getting uh, uh, telegraphed to the market, uh, is about the same time that that the Qualtrics ac- acquisition happened. So, you know, and since then we haven't really heard anything since then. And so that makes me wonder, um, you know, well, and I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, uh, put too much stock in this, but I, but it makes me speculate. Well, well is there a, is there a correlation there? Are they too focused on Qualtrics now to really be, have, uh, to, to have the time or investment, uh, capital that they can put in to a next generation of payroll? And that, probably just gets further compounded by the, uh, you know, the Elliott investment in overall in SAP. And so, uh, you know, Elliott being a kind of an activist inven- investor that, that makes sure that uh, your organization is, is giving the, the appropriate amount of returns uh, for to stockholders. And so, you know, that's another reason why uh, it may be more challenging right now to get those investment dollars for something like an, an employee central I mean, or a true cloud payroll. So, you know, it's things like that that, and, and that's why I'm I'm very curious as to uh, what direction that that SAP and success factors is going to take in this arena. And okay. sorry, go on. Yeah, and so the really what I kind of laid out is, uh, you know, in my mind there are two possible scenarios here. Number one, truly go to a cloud payroll, in in which case. That's, that's you know the, the best case scenario because you know I think that the capability exists now um, I think they've been waiting for uh, you know th- this HANA upgrade to happen on the uh, on success factors to in order to really enable uh, some of these things uh, to take place um, and if that's the case and they're ready to move forward with with payroll now then great let's go ahead and let's let's talk about what that that timeline looks lo- looks like, and I think people w- are are perfectly happy with, um, you know, if even if it's going to be a four year rollout before it gets to your area, as long as you know that, uh, because these uh, these decisions uh, around payroll are are ten year decisions, people aren't going to be that upset. But if they're not going down that path, then uh, really just let us know that too. And and while you're saying that for the foreseeable future employee central payroll is going to be, um, the route that's going to be taken, then also really make sure that you're tightening up all of the gaps that exist today, um, between, uh, the, you know, the way that the things are, you know, focused or, or the way things uh, are integrated today between uh, success factors, employee central and, empl- and employee central payroll and how they need to work. So for example, W-4s would be a perfect example of something that uh, don't really integrate from the cloud back into uh, SAP. And so for those of you overseas that don't really know what I'm talking about, uh, or overseas, that's a very U.S.-centric term, isn't it? Um, That's basically for tax allowances. Uh, In the U.S., um, right now, those don't really integrate between uh, you fill them in on onboarding. There's no way for them to get back to employee central payroll. So that's an example of something that if you're going to move forward and use employee central payroll, long-term, you need to have those investments so that that whole process is seamless. So, you know, that's another example of something that, that hopefully if they're going to go down that path of just sticking with employee central payroll, they make it clear that that's where they're going. And they also make it clear they're going to make the investments in order to make that seamless for customers okay
0: there's a lot to unpack there uh Brandon. So,
1: <laughs> sorry about that yeah
0: no 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 it's it's fairly it's, it's fair and reasonable um i mean the first thing that i would uh, say there is that um and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that sap payroll is global okay mm-hmm. so it those huge number of countries that's they're pro- other than ADP, perhaps, they're probably the only payroll company or firm with a payroll, let's put it that way, that has that global reach. And yep. I-, I can imagine the strategists over at, uh, over in Baldorf thinking, yeah, well, it's okay for guys like Brandon to be talking about this, but we've got another hundred and some countries to think about as well. And all the legs and regs that go with it and yada, 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 right? So that's that would be problem number one for me. Mm-hmm. But then... You're talking about a common data model. SAP's competitors, um, and we don't have to name them here, but I will, and that's Workday primarily as it stands at the moment, make a huge amount about having this uh, common data model. And they are quite convinced that that is the way to go, and they have convinced an awful lot of SAP customers that that's the way to go, and they're reaping the benefits accordingly. But... They're only playing in a few geographies, so you know. On the one hand, SAP has got the global reach, but on the other hand, it's certainly getting getting some fairly stiff competition in in the US market from that standpoint. And you know, the glo- the, the, the single data model is is a critical part of what Workday has to sell. Mm-hmm. I normally argue, I normally argue that yeah, that's a great that's a great discussion for IT people and nerds and geeks and folk who have to stitch this crap together, whatever it is. I said, but, you know, business people want business functionality. And so I was particularly interested in in what what the strategists were saying over at uh, at Valdorf that you referenced, because the qualities of a new generation payroll, as, as, as they have it, it's like yeah, this is already done, you know, Workday's already done a lot of this stuff. You know, you'd really be playing catch up there. But, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, at least in my view. Um, So I think there are some pretty serious tensions there. But then having said that, SuccessFactors customers over the course of the last few years, and I think this is going to come on to your second point, haven't seen – a huge amount by way of their wish lists being resolved. Why? They've been tied up with trying to get this HANA thing going, right? Yep. Again, am I correct in saying that the HANA migration is complete now? I think it is, isn't it?
1: Um, I think that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and And if it is, then, you know, that's been, what, several years of fairly intense pain that is all technical and doesn't of itself, to bring any business value or any real business value to the customer base and such, or at least they don't care about it. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, at least not from what I've heard anyway. I mean you may t- 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 say otherwise. I, I mean, tell me, what have you been told about success vectors on HANA that tells you that there's great business value in that?
1: Well, the business value that I believe is coming. And this would definitely be on my wish list of things that I hope uh, come up and, and I'm quite certain is going to be coming up. And that is the people analytics. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that they have said that uh, has been one of the reasons for the delay um, and, and, and getting a... a a better analytic solution out there is they wanted to get all of the SAP, I mean, excuse me, all of the data centers for uh, employee central and all the customers moved over from, uh, from whatever database they were on to HANA, uh, because that allows them to take advantage of their, uh, what do they call it? The, what is SAC? Uh, it's, uh, It's SAP analytics. What is the What does the C stand for? I can't even remember now.
0: Oh, don't ask me. Uh, okay, they keep moving the goalposts. I can't remember one. one yeah. week to the next.
1: Yeah, and probably the what the abbreviation stands for probably has changed. But basically, there's a there's a reporting platform that is based on Hana that we are able to take advantage of now, based on the fact that that all of the uh, success factor solutions are are on this database. Uh, so hopefully now, because the, because by the way that that entire project was delayed for the last two and a half years while we were waiting on uh, the, this transition to take place. And so now that we are through that transition um, we're hoping that, you know, we're going to have uh, really fast, really seamless uh, data analytics that, that uh, you know, have that, that have some predictive value behind them. Um, all of those things that, that we keep hearing, uh, lots of things about. And then the other key business value that hopefully is coming from this is that we get cross uh, system analytics that, that would be, that a company like SAP would be able to provide so that your, so that your S4 HANA, um, uh, materials management and, and, uh, can, can, uh, as well as finance and you name it, all of those things can really be, uh, uh, on the same analytics cloud and that you were able to use that in order to come up with uh, really useful metrics that, that involve both HR data as well as data from at, throughout the organization. So the, that's the theory anyway. So now let's see uh, SAP actually deliver.
0: In other words, from data to decisions. Yeah. That, that's a
1: nice little buzz phrase, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure you hear things like that at conferences all the time.
0: Uh, well, I try not to go to conferences anymore because I don't want to. I, I don't want to be sucking up too much Kool-Aid, you know, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Um,
0: and I don't like travelling anymore. I, I'm done with travel, as far as I'm concerned. At least anything more than a couple of hours on a plane is enough for me. Um, <clears throat> so, again, sort of, I'm I'm just trying to unpack this a little bit. In an ideal scenario, Success Connect presumably what you would like them to be show, showing you is here is an example of how having integrated HANA, we can yes. now do X type of analytics. We can do Y type of analytics. And, oh, by the way, we can we can start to think in terms of being able to mesh that with financials or what have you so that you can think in terms of, I don't know, product productivity actually being capable of measurement without mm-hmm. having – a whole bunch of IT people having to just write up some scripts or whatever the heck it is they gotta do or go digging around in a data warehouse somewhere or other. Those are the kind of things I would suggest maybe that you'd be looking for. Would that be yes.
1: right? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good phrasing of, of what I was trying to say. It's just this is the kind of thing that, that I really think that success factors and SAP would be well advised to to, you know, think about what are the uh, what are the advantages they have from being uh, one of the largest uh, uh, organizations on the planet, um, as far as breadth and number of customers? And what are the uh, what are the ways that customers can take advantage of that? Because it seems like um, when we go to these uh, success factors conferences, a lot of times it's. Uh, really focused in on success factors, which is great. But if you look at the sleeping giant here, it is all of those SAP HR customers that are sitting out there waiting on the sidelines, waiting to see the business value to move to the cloud. And so why why not provide some tangible reasons to say, look, this is the, if you go to success factors in the cloud and you use uh, you know, S4 S HANA, these are the things that you get from that. Here's the business benefit of that. And, and I just don't think that that story or that that business case always gets made as as uh, uh, as prominently as it should be given that. Let's face it, many of the people that went into SAP HR in the first place did it because it was part uh, of this integrated environment. Uh, hey, we're already on SAP anyway. Let's let's do the same thing for HR.
0: I think that, um, it, it, here's something that I'll, I'll just throw out there and, and we'll see. <laughs> um, I heard Christian Klein at, at Sapphire talking about integration being his number one priority. Yeah? Mm-hmm. i subsequently heard that at the moment, um, integration is, is, is an enormous priority. So that, in one sense, partially at least, addresses what could be on the table if they decide that a new-gen payroll isn't, uh, isn't something that they can do right now, right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this. If Christian Klein stands up, I think that's going to be a cue as to which way it's going to go. But I think it's worth asking him the question, you know, are we talking about integration or are we talking about new gen? And I mean, it's a straight yes or no answer, isn't it? Or if he says, well, it's both, it's like, oh, okay, fine. Which both of you want us to talk about? You know, what are we going to say to customers? Because that's what you got, you know, customers will... (laughs) Customers are very, very easily confused, I find. Um, That's not not surprising. They don't live and die, the development type of things that you do um, on a day-to-day basis. They just want to get stuff done, right? If they're being told two stories at the same time, it's like, well, which one do I pick? So I think, again, here, if there are going to be two stories, fine, which is going to be the priority? What's the roadmap? What's the deliverable? And the same goes elsewhere as well is that, is, was that a, is that a reasonable request or 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 would you be looking for something else
1: uh no that's that's very much uh, we need some clarity uh, in that space and the other thing that we really didn't talk about, which is one of the big sources of confusion um, there's just a lot of of of, uh, of uh, peeling on this onion, I guess you'd say uh, it would be one thing if uh, they were trying to decide whether or not to invest in this new generation of payroll. Hey, we're not sure. Let's kick the can down the road. we you know we'll wait and we'll address that in a couple of years maybe. Uh, they have uh, they really don't have the luxury of doing that because they are the ones also uh, holding the proverbial gun to their customers' heads over 2025. And what I mean by that is. Uh, and, and you tell me, this is my interpretation, and maybe I'm confused. Um, my interpretation is that, let's say that you have an SAP HR payroll implementation. Um, let's say that um, you are not planning on uh, upgrading to S4 HANA. Um, my interpretation, is that in 2025 you have to move you have to move off of that either to number one um, you do have to upgrade to S four Hana to do the what they call the quote unquote sidecar um, or you have to go to Employee Central payroll and that is even the case if you have Employee Central as the front end so it it matters not whether you have a front end that is Employee Central uh, that that is Employee Central. Um, it just matters the fact that you, your code base would still be SAP HR and you're running payroll on, at, on January 1st, 2025, um, with not on uh, a S4 HANA uh, backend, then you are out of compliance and therefore you have to move one way or the other. Is, is, am, am I interpreting that correctly? That sounds about right, except for one caveat. What's that?
0: 2025 is going to come and go and they're going to extend support, at, at, at least as it stands at the moment, right? They have not said that. They are holding firm on the 2025 date. But Asso Platner at Sapphire said, we will not leave anybody behind. We've never let, left anybody behind and we won't leave anybody behind again. If you, if you think about past transitions where they had... Um, uh, uh, cut-off dates, end-of-life dates—they've mm-hmm. uh, they, always been extended, okay? Because uh, they're a victim of their own success, aren't they? In the sense that there are thousands and thousands of, of uh, very large companies that operate their systems whether it's HR HR and finance finance on whatever it is that configuration a huge number of customers and they're not all going to be able to move at the same pace they're just not and and it will be for different reasons you know i've 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 heard all sorts of reasons as to why for example you should do an s4 greenfield implementation I've heard all all sorts of reasons why you should do a s4 brownfield implementation adding the complexities around success factors and especially around payroll, mm-hmm. and I can imagine that any CIO or CTO standing there is going to be thinking, my goodness, what do I do? How am I going to prove the business case, which remains a problem, uh, but more to the point, how am I actually going to get there and do I have enough time to do it? As we sit here in 20, 2019, I would like to believe that most customers, the vast majority of customers would have the time to do it but it's a budget item. It's a it's it's an expense. It's mm-hmm. a business case that's needed. There's got to be demonstrable value that's going to come out of it. Where are my quick wins going to come from? All of those questions. And, you know, if I was a CIO, I'd be sitting back thinking, I ain't going to make a decision until there's clarity across a lot of these things. Because, I mean, we're talking very much about HR and payroll, but there is an awful lot of other stuff going on there as well. And as a CIO... That all comes to me at the end of the day, and I have to go to my board and say, give me X million dollars. Mm-hmm. And they turn around quite rightly and say, well, what's that for? And if, if all I'm saying to them is, well, it's a technical upgrade in order to keep us current. What? Are you having a laugh? No. You know what I mean? It's Right because that's the way it is. I mean, you know, it, it, life has never been easy for, for CIOs. I would suggest that in the current climate of economic and political uncertainty, it's even more difficult for them to go, go to boards who must be risk averse to a degree at the moment, um, wondering where they're going to make the best, best bets that they can. Forget all the stuff about, you know, am I going to be Amazon or am I going to be Ubered and all those kind of things that might be floating around among um, some of the customers. It's, there are just too many big things going on out there. So my personal view, and it is only a personal view, is that 2025 will come and go and SAP's customers will be fine if they're not in a position to make a, a decision. It may cost them a little bit more in the interim period, but that might be a price worth paying. Now, you know, SAP will probably hate me for saying that, but I, I honestly can't see a, another way of doing it. I, I just can't. Um, and nothing I hear convinces me otherwise. I'd love to be convinced otherwise, but I can't see anything that convinces me otherwise. <laughs> that's my 2 penneth. Anyway, I do, I do. I'm not going to ask you if you agree because <laughs> that's...
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I I absolutely agree with you with respect to the deadline. There's You're right. There's no way that they're going to meet it. But I think they're going to look back on that decision to just... Um, to say, well, we're going to extend it to 2025, but only, um, you know, and, and that's it. Uh, what the, I can tell you, um, Specifically, that there are customers that they have lost because they started this this chain reaction caused by this this deadline, uh, to where customers felt like, well, gee, I I need to start mo- thinking about moving off because of this twenty twenty five date because I don't want to be caught, uh, uh, you know, with my pants down, uh, and it's too it's going to be too late. So what they what did they do? Well, they started looking at, uh, well, what do we need to do with our HR solution? And at that point in time. Uh, And still, there is no clarity about what the direction is, the long-term direction is for for payroll, which is the number one piece of uh, functionality, the the best part of of SAP HR. And without that clarity, what what do people do? Well, let's start looking at, let's look around. Uh, Oh, well, I can, if I jump over and do this other thing, go to this competitor, they've got everything that I need. And so, you know, it's going to be, they're going to be looking back on this time and going, gee, I really wish we we could get that decision back to, 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 you know, put a gun to people's heads when we, when at, in the end we, we, we find out it's a pop gun. So yes, they're, uh, those of us that, that know SAP know that there's no way that they're going to be able to really hold the line on that. But instead what they're doing is just creating this artificial scenario where, where they lose customers because, uh, those customers will silly, silly them. They'll take them at SAP's word.
0: Mm. Okay. (laughs) Let's, let's try and move on. Um, (laughs) Okay. I think we've beaten them up enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably true.
0: Yeah. I'm, so so the second thing that you have on your wish list is about um, customer enhancements, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. you know, I think we've already prefaced this in some senses by saying that by talking about the, the extent to which SAP has had to invest in technical change and so on and so forth, but we believe that that's largely come to an end. Presumably what you'd like to see a, a couple of things here. One is here's... Here's another dozen things that are coming down the track that we know are really, really important, and we've been listening to our customers, and hey, here here they come. And oh, by the way, we we recognize that maybe we haven't been able to uh, get as many of those customer uh, functionality things through, but this is what we're going to do about that. Um, I would hope they would say that. What do you reckon?
1: No, that's that's exactly what my wish would be, is that they uh, acknowledge that this is something that that is a a place where they can improve and they commit the uh, budget necessary in order to do it. Uh, The the frustration here is that uh, I think that. SAP does itself no favors when it has this influence process where, you know, people can put in and vote and uh, get, the, get these expectations that, uh, you know, if you get enough of a groundswell for certain things to happen, that they will eventually end up in the system. And, you know, the historical evidence is just that, you know, the, the, the number of enhancements that actually do make it into the product uh, is, is fairly small. Um, and so, you know, if they want to uh, continue with that process, they really need to say, you know what, gee, we're going to, we are going to work on getting uh, more of those things in. And and really, I think that, uh, you know, I think fundamentally they just need to start thinking about that process, not as something that's just a little side thing where they say, you know what, Let, let's set aside, you know, uh, uh, what, 20, you know, however many, 20 man days or, or what have you for, uh for customer enhancement requests, instead, it should be—it really should be fundamental into what is happening in the in the solution, uh, to where people are actively looking at those, particularly those those uh, enhancement requests that are coming in, where there's like uh, a groundswell, and there truly is a lot of people, uh, you know. Uh, voting for those things. Those should be part of the, of the ongoing process instead of just something that's just kind of a sideline because, um, you know, as I, as I mentioned in my LinkedIn article, it's, it's a bit like being on a cruise ship. Uh, You're, you're kind of at the mercy of the, of the cruise director on, or the cruise line on what things are available. Uh, You, you are, uh, as far as, you know, you can decorate your stateroom, uh, and there's certainly things, some, a, a few things that you can do, but if there's something that you can't do, uh, and it's, it applies to a common area, there's nothing much else that you can do. And that's one thing that's fundamentally different about, uh, a multi-tenant cloud environment, uh, versus an on-premise environment. Cause in, 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 on-premise world, we could always, you know, when a customer said, can you do this? Now, we, a lot of times we were just, uh, uh, we could say, uh, not officially, but we can go in and, and, of course, through enhancement points, we could do practically anything. Now, a lot of times we had to talk people out of things that, that weren't really uh, a good idea. But uh, if there was something that was absolutely mission critical for that company for some unique reason, we could put that stuff in. But, but uh, a lot of times when you're in a cloud multi-tenant environment, those things, uh, those things can't be done and your hands are tied
0: well it 's interesting you say this because the the multi tenant um, cloud environment appears to me to have had quite a significant impact on how um, ISvs actually deal with uh, with customer enhancements and what I mean by that is is that the the velocity of change that they are managing puts them in a position where they have to bring customer, customer request changes to the table much, much more quickly than perhaps they would have done in the past. Okay, Now, again, turning back to the competitor here, I can remember, I don't know, three, four years ago, something along those lines, I was pressing them saying, okay, what percentage of customer requests actually make it into the product? And it, if memory serves, it went from something like 27% to 30% to 33% to 35%. And I said, that's ridiculous. I said, one in three. I've got a one in three shot of having what I need going into the product. And they said, yeah. I said, well, why is that? They said, look, we get loads of requests. You, you must understand that, even though you know we have a relatively small number of customers. Um, and because the product... They weren't saying this, but at the time, because the product is relatively immature, there's a lot of things that we've got to do as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is now up at 50%. And that's despite the fact that they've got a heck of a lot more customers than they did when I was giving them a hard time over it. And th- their footprint is much, much larger than it was at that time. So what they're now saying is, is that I've got a one-in-two shot of getting that functionality in, into the product. I yeah. would like to see it higher, but one in two, I would suggest, is pretty reasonable. It's pretty darn good, and I would have to compare that with with what SAP is doing, which is go on. You tell me the percentage. I uh,
1: I would say, <laughs> I will say very um, conservatively, in the sense of not not understating it. I'll say. Uh, 20% would be uh, probably above what the historical average is.
0: So they've got some catch-up to do, right? Right. Now, <clears throat> this, there's an interesting side effect with this, and that is is that when, when the, the competition was in, initially doing all this, they were going for... Uh, releases every four months, okay, four releases a year. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, we're happy with that. that that's kind of like, that, that's almost consumer grade. That's, that's really cool. And then it went to three and then it went to two. And it was like, well, why? Well, you know, when you're dealing with large organizations, they can't consume everything that you you're delivering to them as quickly as we might like them. We have to have everybody on the same code line, but... We can't we can't give them more than they can you know, they can chew, right. yeah. And and so you know when I think about this in terms of of SAP, I'm thinking if they could even do it once a year, that would be pretty darn good. But mm-hmm. if they could get to two times a year, I'm pretty darn sure that customers would be delighted about that when it comes to this. But they've got to get to the single code line first, right? And they've got to be able to just carry everybody over the line at the same time. I think it's going to be quite hard for them if I'm honest. Um, right, but yeah. who knows, who knows, maybe, maybe they will get there. Um, I don't know, but right. you're going to, ask, you're going to ask the question, which is the main thing, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, uh, I think it's just raising this as something that, uh, and, and I do think there's people within success factors that, that know this is something that, that needs to get more attention and they're hoping to get there. Uh, the main thing is you don't, you know, whether it's, uh, two times a year, three times a year, four times a year, I'll, uh, you know, I definitely will leave it to their discretion to what the appropriate process is. I think they just need to get to the point to where this is clearly a a point of emphasis and they're clearly every, every time that they're releasing it, it's some sort of orderly process where they can see uh, you can see, well, here's the ones that had all of these votes. And um, here is the, here's the disposition of that. Hopefully it's successful, especially the ones that have the highest number of votes and those are getting into the product. And if you do that, I think that you're going to really, uh, you're going to spur a lot of people that are going to be excited about getting involved in the enhancement process. Cause right now I can tell you there's some definite disillusion, uh, with, with even some of the larger customers because they don't feel like their voice is being heard. And that, you know, that has you know profound implications. So, you know, and if you turn that around and do it the other way and where people really feel like uh gee that you know that thing that i came up with that's now in the product i think that people will get more invested in uh the solution and, and feel like that they're a part of it as well and i think that's uh, that's definitely a benefit that that could be coming
0: okay brandon we're running out of time surprising though that may seem it feels like only two minutes that we've been talking but it's actually closer to 45 that <laughs> um and hopefully people are going to stick with us on, on this <laughs> one now you've done part one you've done part two there's got to be a part three coming somewhere along the line, is there?
1: Uh, yeah, So I am for sure going to revisit the whole idea of uh, re architecting uh, the. Uh, particularly in the employee central side, because that's what I work on. Uh, They started the process of moving everything over from an Excel based XML based foundation to a what they call the metadata framework foundation that hasn't taken place yet, or it got suspended. Uh, Come to find out they didn't say so at the time, but I I really think that it was because of the HANA upgrade. Now, um, I'm hoping that they will revisit that. That's one thing I'm, I'm planning on touching on uh the other thing of course and i, and I referred to this earlier is the people analytics because that is one huge area that that needs to be talked about and it needs to be in the product as you know as soon as possible because it's it's one of the areas where it's lacking um but hopefully with the with the Hunt upgrade that's going to be something that we're going to be getting and and customers are going to be really excited about
0: Okay. What is What is this um, meta framework thing about? I I have not heard of that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the, the metadata framework, and that's just basically a way of having kind of a next generation architecture. It's, it's object-based. There's, there's lots of uh, rich configuration that goes with it. Uh, You know, you you can assign uh, what we refer to in success factors as business rules to just about every, every aspect of it. Um, And it's just a lot more robust and a lot more user-friendly uh in in, to build with and work with than the older foundational objects that that we uh in in other words uh if you look back to when success factors originally started of course it was a uh employee central in particular you know it was a, a very um immature, um, as all products start out. Um, and it had just kind of a, a pretty simplistic architecture and now, um, it is, uh, you know, they, they developed this underlying framework called metadata framework. Um, and, uh, so this would allow, this allows for a lot more flexibility and a lot more user friendliness. And, uh, so that, that tool, uh, the metadata framework is something that they have been working on transitioning everything off of the old into the new. But again, that process kind of uh, hit the back burner based on the HANA upgrade and probably, frankly, GDPR as well, which uh, I think that SuccessFactors does deserve huge kudos for uh, being at the forefront of uh, meeting that as the, even more so than some of the competitors out there. Um, and that definitely slowed things down, too. But we're now at the point where hopefully they can revisit that.
0: Okay. And presumably what, what that means from a business perspective is uh, accelerated time to value. Um, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah and yeah, and yeah. business agility. So in other words, if I have, if I have to reorg things or if I have to, uh, you know, I change the way that I do things from a business standpoint, those, those things should be able to be happening a lot quicker uh, because you have a very simple way of, of architecting and, and making those adjustments.
0: Okay. Beyond that, is there anything else that that, that you'd like to see or want to bring up with them?
1: Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of what with my other. Those are really the key ones. I think that I'm going that I'm probably going to hit between now and um, I probably also may again revisit the whole idea of just making sure that that sap and success factors really put front and center what are the things that they can do that no one else can because it's such a huge ecosystem that it's a part of and and that it's leading and you know some of the competitors that are out there you know they're they're hr centric and they're and you know there's some definite uh you know as as challenging as it is for for sap to um Uh, you know, be going through these database upgrades and things like that. It's because it's such a big company. It's got such big R and D that it has the ability to, uh, you know, build its own tools and its own networks. And, uh, you know, we haven't even talked about digital assistant, which by the way, uh, was a front and center last year. I haven't heard anything since probably due to Qualtrics. Um, but you know, that's based off of Leonardo and you know, that, That's all entirely based on SAP investments. And there's so many things like that that SAP should be able to tout as these are things that we can do because we're such a large organization. And, you know, if you stick with us, I know that sometimes we won't be uh, right at the cusp of of everything, but it's something that where you can feel like that your entire organization uh, can grow along with us. And so that's, okay. the, those are the kinds of messages I think that they, that if they can really, um, uh, show them in a compelling way, it's, it's something they can do that, that some competitors can't.
0: Okay. So one of the things that we've been uh, trying to sort of get across is that the need for SAP to be a lot more focused. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my colleagues take the view that SAP has this huge store cupboard of, of products that it can sell to people. That's a fantastic advantage. Well, it is up until to a point, but SAP ain't a supermarket, right? I don't go there shopping once a week. Right. <laughs> right. I, I don't make impulse buys. Right? Um, I, I, we would like to see them a little bit more, well, a lot more focused if we could. So you know, you've, you've talked about three or four fairly fairly big things. Do all of those carry equal weight in your view? Or is there maybe one thing that above everything, if they, if they can turn around and say, yep, we're going to do whatever, um, that would send you away happy? Even if you go away for some of the old stuff.
1: Right. I, I think that um – for sure that the just providing us some direction on SAP payroll. I know it doesn't sound as strategic as maybe some of the other things we've talked about, but just, uh, if I look at what do customers I talk to care most about it, it is that one. So just doesn't have to be that, you know, here we've got this new generation payroll and here it is, you can take it home with you right now. Uh, It doesn't have to be that. Just give us a sense that, you know, of what it is of these two forks in the you know the, these these two possible uh branches that you can go down um which one are are we going down and that way customers can start making up their minds and building uh their roadmaps accordingly
0: and that's what you're hearing consistently
1: from customers yeah absolutely especially again back to that whole 2025 thing uh you know they're they're I'm in uh, conversations with customers, and they're like, "Well, we no, we have to move off of what we have today, even though we have a sta- stable payroll because of this 2025 date." And so, it's really hard for me to, co- to tell them, "Well, yeah, you know what? Just don't worry about that. That's they're they're gonna uh, just trust me on this. They're going to go the the other direction on that, and they're gonna they're gonna delay that." Um, uh, it's hard to tell customers that. That's why. Uh, that SAP needs to have a a real clear message on either, here's the future and here's what the future looks like, or guess what, we're going to delay this because we know that some of you aren't gonna be able to um, have a a implementation rollout to where you're gonna feel comfortable by that 2025 date. Something needs to happen there.
0: Okay, Brandon, strong messages. Let's see if SAP listens. And no doubt you'll be coming back after Success Connect, either with a thumbs up or something else. What do you reckon? <laughs> I, I, hope it's,
1: I hope it's good. It's always a fun conference and it'll be great to see everybody.
0: Okay. Brandon, thanks very much indeed for your time. That's been a tremendous conversation. I'm going to close it out there at the risk of boring people to death. Um, and I'm sure that we will talk again. Thank you very much indeed for your time.